September is a pretty big month for Māori musicians. On the 6th, Tama Waipara will release his next album, Fill Up the Silence, and then kick off a short tour from October 3rd. Kaitahu artist Ariana Tikau is nominated at this year's Waita Māori Music Awards on the 13th of September in Hastings in the Best Māori Pop Album and Best Māori Female Solo Artist categories. And Henewehi Mohi is set to release Raukatauri, Te Puhi o Te Tangi at the end of this month. Add to that a documentary, Ngā Reo o Te Whenua, about the musical journey of Dr Richard Nuns and Horo Mona Horo, who travel to various landscapes in Aotearoa and play Taonga Puro. Now that is set for release next year. In the archive of recording, Ngā Taonga Kōrero, thanks to Sound Archives, the late Māori broadcaster Henare Teua visited Dr Richard Nuns at his home in Nelson, in 1998, to talk about his work in the revitalisation of Taungapuro. Now, Richard, we're sitting in your home in Nelson and reminiscing about that incredible opening of Te Papa Tongareva. And here's this photograph the Dominion took. I don't know why they, why they never published them because no. it's brilliant. What are those, those those long instruments which so many people seem to be blowing? Aye, uh, kia ora, Henari. Um, uh, well, I brought out the photo because, as you say, it's just a marvellous, marvellous evocation of that uh, extraordinary morning uh, that we had up uh, up on that level, up, up, up on uh, Te Papa. Uh, the instruments there, it's a line-up of uh, an instrument known as the pūkaya, or from your area, they, they would call it the farafara or the titi matai, or a couple of the uh, kupu nati pro. Um, it's a long, uh, the literature will tell you, a war trumpet. But in fact, of course, as we can reconstruct these instruments, so too does another side of every instrument come. And the literature would have it that these were only used at times of strife and war and of violence and bloodshed. In actual fact, the minute that we had created these and had, had working items and our travels very shortly after that amongst Tuhoi and Natiawa, immediately the story came that also they were the instruments that signalled the beginning of the rituals for the planting of the kumara, the mm. probably the most peaceful activity that one could contemplate. But looking at that photo, Henari, that line-up of eight or nine uh, 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 tangi tangi, um players of these, um, my reflection is that the instruments were relatively rare, um, that uh, an iwi would, uh, or a, a, a hapu would probably hold one possibly, but to have eight or nine in a row like you see there um, is probably quite a historic occasion, <laughs> that it probably never gathered as, as many as that at any time in, uh, in, in recent or past, uh, past history, so um, quite a photo. Do, do some of those original bukaya still exist in museums or collections, Richard? Yes, they do, uh, thankfully. Um, there are a number of museums in New Zealand have very fine specimens. Um, any instruments, uh, any taonga puro that uh, involve um, separate pieces of, of wood that need to be um, corked, um, uh, glued and bound, often fall into disrepair in museums precisely because they are there as an artifact, they are held there, the temperature is right, the ultraviolet is right, but they are not being cared for, they're not being afid, they're not being constantly maintained and so they lose their voices. But uh, there are, and we have of course had the privilege of um, being able to handle and play many of these instruments, there are a number that still play extraordinarily well. Um, and uh, the, most of the objects or the items that you 
can see in that photo are middle-sized pukaya. There are several that run up 10, 11, 12 feet, which is a most extraordinary feat of, of uh, um, uh, woodworking and instrument making, and, uh, and they have uh, these extraordinary qualities of voice, um, a fundamental sound, and then above that a range of harmonics that is just delicious to hear. I remember some years ago, Richard, at one of the annual conferences of Nga Punawehanga, I think the theme was Kowa, and you were running a workshop then. After about the first day, for about the remaining two days of that, of that hui, everywhere you went, you hear this chirping chortling and so on going on. So for you, was the Kowa the first portal that, that you were interested in, that you fell in love with as well, the ancient instruments? I would think that's probably true. Um, it's, uh, people often ask me, how did you begin? Where did you begin this, this extraordinary 25-year journey? And in fact, I can place it exactly um, uh, to a sighting of a, an article in about 1960-61 in the Auckland Weekly News um, with that central section of that uh, black and white photography mm, paper yes. and there was an article, accompanying article on instruments, traditional instruments of the Māori and I still have that, it's a tattered piece and I've now put it in a slipcase and a slip file but that must, to me, is a kind of seminal point in a journey that was to take on the proportions that it takes now. In terms of the kōaua, uh, yes, it's the obvious one to begin with, the obvious one to start with, and uh, I had become aware through, I think it was called Tutangata magazine, of uh, um, a loose, amorphous group of people meeting at Victoria University when um, uh, Joe Malcolm um, was in the Wellington area, and a small group of people came together uh, I would think not with too many ideas about how to get it going, but that was a kind of beginning. Uh, and uh, I suppose my coming out into the world of sound or the world of light approximated that time. But it also coincided with my moving to Nelson and coming into the contact with Brian Flintoff. And uh, the relationship between him and myself has meant that a whole range of his engineering skills, his ability to laterally think and, and work around acoustic difficulties, because many of these instruments are, have enormous acoustic difficulties, has, um, ha and my small ability to, to breathe voice into these, um, or to anything for that matter, um, uh, has meant that, that that kind of Siamese relationship, he's the design engineer, I'm the test pilot, to mix a whole lot of metaphors, is, has meant that, um, uh, that these have, have begun to flourish. And of course, the, the final component to that working group, of course, has been uh, um, Hirini uh, Melbourne and uh, his musical skills, his uh, absolute facility with the reo and his traditional knowledge. And, and those those three um, components have meant, uh, have meant uh, a very important working relationship in relation to the revival of the instruments, yes. I'm going to turn it right around the other way, Richard, and suggest that so many Māori people feel honoured and blessed that you become the tohunga of this particular art, perhaps, which may have been languishing, perhaps had become museum pieces, had become perhaps mystified and nobody was really wanting to pick it up. So I, th I think it works both ways because you must often get asked the question, how come this very pink-skinned person uh, travels to all the different marae, to the different hui, like the opening of the Papatonga River, who has made the 
resurgence and the rebirth of so many of those old instruments. Part of your own vocation, 25 years, you're almost talking about a generation's worth of endeavour. I mean, it's, it's, there's more to it, isn't there? And, and do you think there's a, a touch of wayward in there somewhere? Oh, I would hope so. Um, I, there are a whole variety of things. I agonised for many years why a mantle, a cordial, why, uh, why, why should, should such skills and gifts, if you like, be laid upon my shoulders to carry forward it was such an extraordinary combination. Old ones that I have spoken with um, have uh, settled me and, and continue to do so. Um, uh, their explanations have been many and varied. Uh, there is a whakatauki, what the Pākehā takes away, ultimately the Pākehā will return. That is one. Uh, another is that I am the maeroero, the patupaiarehi. I am that pale-skinned, pale uh, albino, uh, red-haired, long-fingered, fingernailed person who lives in the mists. Uh, who did many things, but particularly was was a hetohanga na taonga puro. But I also know uh, that, um, uh, in a certain sense, something that uh, I found very difficult to come to terms with, and it's only through the guidance of many, many of of the old ones who care for me. I am truly grateful for that. There is a great deal of the literal knowledge, not the functions, not the kōrero, but the actual literal knowledge of how they should be held and caressed the taonga into voice, um, has come to me in a most extraordinary literal form through dreams. And um, I, being a good Kiwi joker in a lot of ways, uh, have found that, uh, or at least earlier found that, quite a difficult concept to come to terms with. But it is greeted when I very nervously and tentatively speak of that amongst the the elders and the old ones, uh, it is almost a sense of relief uh, that they can discern a system by which uh, I carry some of these these skills and and uh, some of this ability to do. In terms of the wairua, um, I certainly feel at various times that uh, uh, it is a tradition that passes through me, that I, that I am a vehicle, a vessel, a medium, if you like, and there are odd situations, well, not odd, but there are situations sometimes when I am I'm, I'm required to play and I can almost step aside and look at, at me working there with these. There are other times when I distinctly feel the presence Nora. of others mm. standing behind me, and that is, those are things I think many Maori will understand, and um, and I can, and, and also in in terms of our researches, in terms of the fragmentary knowledge now building into a co coherent body of knowledge, the relationship of the instruments to to Tahawairua is is absolutely. Um, Profound that uh, uh, from from the kōrero that comes to us, it would appear that the whole range, the whole uh, um, body of of the taonga, were involved in uh, summoning, speaking for, making a communication between ira tangata, ira atua that whole activation of the spiritual domain, and that they had very little to do with mahi whakanaho or entertainment as we understand the word, um, which is not to say that there wasn't an element in there, but as we understand it. And certainly if you read the literature, 
um, that whole aspect of, of that nature and usage of the instrument is devoid from Best, devoid from Anderson. It wasn't in their natures to see, see the work in those ways. And it is only in these recent years where we have these fragments coming from mainly, mainly women, mainly older women who have, have held these, that it becomes distinctly plain that, the, that these instruments would have to do with uh, all the things we've canvassed before, but uh, procreation, to do with labour, to do with healing, to do with promotion, growth of plants, to do with tangianga. Uh, uh, um, and uh, it certainly, uh, I can only repeat, uh, it is a privilege to, to have had the opportunities I've had. It also, um, I hope, uh, and I realise this, this will be heard by many people, that I hope that it is considered that, that I carry that knowledge sensitively and with integrity and care. Um, and I often agonise uh, with old ones again that I, there will be fragments of material that I have, have um, been gifted, not, uh, kōrero, that would have not even been privy uh, to the general population, populace in traditional times, that they would it would have been knowledge of of uh, the Fariwananga, the Fariwairi, the Fariwurako of the south, and my worry is that I inadvertently am am giving out um, secret sacred information um, uh, to those who should not have it, and their response is, is always comforting. If there are those here there who should not carry that information, they will awake the next morning, will have forgotten. And in relation to playing such instruments, if they are not meant to carry the knowledge and performance skills of those instruments, they also will work away at it, make a sound, but never make music. And those two filters I trust too implicitly. Kia ora, the late Hinare Teua with Dr. Richard Nunns. Now that was recorded in 1998 and featured on the Whenua programme. To listen to the interviews in tonight's show, you can find the links at our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash teahika. Anaida Atama Waipara with this week's Whakatauki.